0: it has been a while but we are back the secondary assist podcast infamously not sponsored by josh bailey but named after josh bailey
1: it really should be sponsored by josh bailey welcome to the secondary assist podcast starring your hosts shane blackburn and andy graziano and we are back here secondary assist podcast it has been Far, 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 far too long. I'm Shane Blackburn, he's Andy Graziano, and today we're going to find out if we remember how to do this. Andy, my (laughs) friend, how are you?
0: I am well, Shane. I'm assuming we're both a little bit better than we were a couple months ago. Um, But it's good to be back, fresh, talking about a lot of stuff that's gone on since we last recorded, uh, which we will get everybody caught up on our thoughts which mean absolutely nothing, but they're our thoughts nonetheless, and we own them, and nobody's going to tell us we can't have them, but... Twitter will. More importantly, how are you?
1: I am significantly better than I was the last time we spoke about doing a podcast back in late February, early March. Uh, I I figured I'd save it for the end. Anyone mm-hmm. who gets through to the end of the podcast, if you want to stick around, I'll... Uh, I'll go into a little bit of detail as to where I've been and what I've been doing and why we kind of hit the hiatus there in the beginning of March, end of February, but I am significantly better now than I was then, and I'm very excited to just kind of dive into the Islander talk with you, Andy, because it's been far too long.
0: Well, that sounds great, and I'm excited as well because I know what's been going on, and I know where we are today with that, and I am to follow that up i am probably not as pleased as you obviously not for good reason but uh pleased very pleased nonetheless at the news so we are in a good place um and i will go into a little bit too of what happened and it's just it, it was a just a tremendous cluster f of uh of life let's call it uh,
1: on both sides yeah it was uh it kind of all hit ahead at the same time i <laughs> think that's something right
0: it's almost like uh You know, we we found each other a couple of, you know, a while ago back on Islanders Insight. We uh, graduated from the same high school. We both played hockey for said school. Um, And uh, it just seems like our lives consistently collide in that sense. So the next time anything breaks, I'll forewarn you. (laughs)
1: <laughs> that way I, I can prepare myself for the counter that's coming on my side but
0: you are uh, in the middle of planning a wedding as well so that's uh some good personal news that uh I, wedding with to uh your beautiful uh wife to be dana is proceeding as planned i assume
1: it is i have told her that she better be damn sure because i will not do this process twice it is the <laughs> worst process i've ever been involved in kelly and i say
0: that all the time it's one and done that's it yeah
1: i I'm telling you right now, we, we will never get divorced because I will never do this process again.
0: My wife's funny. She sometimes jokes around that if anything off a bid was to happen, that she would go out and pull an ad in a smith, <laughs> just marry someone that's like 80 years old, like on the way out that just has a lot of money. <laughs> she's cruel and she's evil, but I love the shit out of her.
1: That's actually a great idea.
0: I probably love the shit out of her because she's so cruel and evil because I'm so messed up in the head sometimes too, so we kind of fit in that sense. It's
1: the Staten Island in you. Probably.
0: Probably. That and 30 years of being with her.
1: Pretty much read each <laughs> other's minds off. by now. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> oh,
0: I think man. the song the song I heard today that reminds me of her was, uh, I don't know if you've ever heard the, the, the ballad by U2, When I Look at the World.
1: I have not. I'm actually not a huge U2 fan. Okay. I've seen them Spoiler four alert. times. So that's oh, one boy. thing we don't agree on.
0: Well, not not that we disagree on it. You just haven't seen them. I've seen them four times. Um, and uh, while I don't really like my politics being missed, mixed with my music, as much as I don't like my politics being mixed with my sports, I um, I, I just I've had uh, a very enjoyable time each time I've seen them. And there's there's this ballad that they sing uh, that's called "When I Look at the World." And I heard it today again, and it just is a perfect exclamation point on, on our relationship so when you get a chance you don't even have to listen to it just look up the lyrics and just read the lyrics of it
1: no that's boring i actually have to go listen to it
0: it's a great song it's actually a really really great powerful song and uh it's just about somebody that sees the world a little more jaded and cruel and than the person that sees it more optimistic and live every day as its last etc and how that person wants to feel like that, but just can't. You know, it's
1: it's pretty good. Well, that's on my to-do list now to listen to after the show. Honestly, it's probably going to be tomorrow morning on my way to work because after <laughs> yeah, the show, definitely. I'm going to bed. It's way too damn late.
0: <laughs> well, you're, you're that three o'clocker for the series. So.
1: Uh, not much longer, hopefully, but for now still. Hey, job's a job in this day and age, my friend. Well, I'm not. Compl- I'm complaining about how early I wake up, but that—that's all I'm complaining about.
0: Yeah, since we spoke, my son graduated college. He graduated from Rowan University with a degree in psychology and a minor in criminal justice, and he's right now going uh, planning for his graduate degree. And
1: is um, he doing his graduate study on you?
0: No, that's on him. He's I think going to do it at Purdue. I think Purdue. Purdue online though.
1: Oh no! 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 He's I did not. I did not mean monetarily. Oh, I thought you meant monetarily. I meant psych major. Oh, yeah. I mean, I'm a perfect... Is he doing a, his I'm thesis like an, on you? I'm
0: an absolutely terrific candidate for that. <laughs> like, absolutely terrific. But, uh, yeah, he, we, he graduated college. We took him to St. Martin as a graduation gift. We were vacationing for a week on that beautiful island, and uh, it was good. But it feels like, you know, we, we, we went in the, in the third week of May, and it just, it already feels like it, it was a year ago. It's like ridiculous how quickly you get back into the flow of life and it just seems so long ago. But
1: I think we should go. I think we should do a secondary assist podcast live remote episode from St. Martin.
0: <laughs> I am so down.
1: I'm about I'm that like so life. down for that. I've I've done a brief stopover in St. Martin, but I've never stayed. It's nice. It was really nice. I mean you can see
0: though. Uh, you could see the difference between you know capitalism and socialism, though you really can. Uh, the island is as a, uh, for people that don't know is split right down the middle. There's the French to the north and the Dutch to the south, and you can see how after the two hurricanes they got hit went back to back, you know, two what was it, two or three years ago. You could see them trying to rebuild and get back to where they were, and you can see how much faster the Dutch. You cross that French Dutch line onto the French side, and it is a total shit show. Huh. Like a real, like it looks like literally like bombed out buildings, like beaches just washed away. Like, just it's really incredible the difference from one side to the other. It really is something.
1: I was only on the French side, so I didn't see the Dutch side because we flew in, took <coughs> a charter across to Anguilla. Yep, yep. So I only saw right, the that's bombed the, that's, out, right, devastated right. side.
0: Yeah. And you could see now, today, years later, the difference in how fast they're building up the Dutch side as opposed to the French side. That's crazy. Yeah, it's it's pretty wild. But the Islanders, yeah, we got a lot going on, yeah? All
1: right, so let's start, just because we haven't been here in so long, with who the hell expected the Islanders to sweep Pittsburgh in the playoffs. Let's be honest. You
0: know, I... I always felt they had a good chance against that team. I, I do, and I always do. I think when they play them, I think the intensity ramps up. I don't think Pittsburgh is the Pittsburgh of old. So I, I did. I didn't think we would sweep, mind you. I'm not going to, you know, make that ridiculous uh, notion that I thought they would sweep. But I did think we had a chance, a very good chance to win that series. And it's a microcosm. It's a, a micro microcosm. How you say it?
1: Microcosm?
0: Micro, is that how you say it? Microcosm? I think so. Um, it's micro-cosm? a microcosm. It's an image of Barry Trotz uh, <laughs> and his play all year on the defensive side of the puck as one of the reasons why I thought they had a really good shot. And it turned out to be true. You know, they really shut down Sidney Crosby and they took care of Evgeny Malkin. They didn't quite get under his skin as much as Travis Hamanick did when he was with us. But nonetheless, they, it was a terrific series. And then they come right back and the scoring drought hits them hard in the second round and a couple of calls go against them in games one and two. Their luck runs out, I'd say, and they get swept by the Carolina Hurricanes. So a sucky ending. Um, Not something that fans wanted, I think. It's another one round and out, which is what we had a couple of years ago uh, when we defeated Florida and then lost to Tampa. So I'm not sure if you can say that there's been progress. I, I think that Obviously, Barry Trotz lays a tremendous foundation, and his system is going to be, I think, a success again. But I think the Islanders did ride the luck train a lot this year. We talked about it throughout the season prior to our hiatus that they were riding an extremely, almost ridiculously high PDO for the first 60 games or so. Shooting percentage was off the charts. Save percentage all the way through was just off the charts. Ridiculous, like unheard-of numbers. First team in a hundred years to go worst to first and goals against, um, and I think that if, with what we've seen so far this year in free agency and Lou Lamarillo's failure to date to get the scoring that Barry Trotz himself said they needed after the sweep at the hands of the Hurricanes, I think if you don't, if you don't think the Islanders got lucky last year, then you're feeling okay right now with with the status quo. But I think right. that. I feel they did get did get lucky last year, and that helped them to overachieve. And that's why I don't feel comfortable right now with the status quo.
1: So here's why I wanted to start with the playoffs, because I think you hit the nail right on the head. And it, it I think the Pittsburgh series was, as you said, a microcosm of the season as a whole. They got stellar goaltending on a good defensive system, and the puck bounced their way when they needed goals. Yep. And then the Carolina series showed how dangerous of a game that is to play in. They got stellar goaltending, played their same sound defensive system, but the puck didn't bounce their way when they needed goals. They're not, they're not a team. They weren't a team in the playoffs, and they're not a team now as currently constructed that can manufacture goals when they're needed. Correct. I agree. They they have the talent that when the puck bounces their way, they can score. And guys like Barzal and Lee will score goals. That's just a given. It's not like a team's going to go 82 games without scoring a goal. So it's a given that there will be goals. But they're not a team that when the game is on the line and when a series is on the line, as it was in Carolina, that they can manufacture their own offense, which is what they should be looking for, whether it be in what is left of the free agency market or a trade. And just to tie everything in, I think Robin Leonard played well and above his head. I think Robin Leonard benefited tremendously from the Barry Trotz defensive system and from the emergence of guys like Taves, the defensive improvement of guys like Pullick and Pellick. and and the work I, of Mitch Corn, and the work of Mitch Corn, and I'm I'm sure we'll get into this more a little bit later. But I'm not completely turned off by this. Turned off by the signing of Semyon Varlamov, because I think on the grand scheme, they're probably right there with each other in quality of goaltending. Varlamov and in is probably a better all-around goalie, or at least has the numbers in the past to show that. (laughs) And yes, Robin Leonard's year last year was absolutely tremendous. But if you look at Leonard's year last year, with a 213 goals against average and a 930 save percentage, and you go to his year before that in Buffalo... At 301 and 908, the year before that, 268 and 920, the year before that, he's at 247 and 924. The year before that, he's at 302 and 905. Right. So and
0: they both didn't play on good defensive teams. Leonard right. and Varlamov both faced a lot of rubber, and so, I think we're very comparable statistically. Problem is, Varlamov is, has battled a lot of pretty serious injuries the injuries. last couple of years, including right. a torn groin in 2016. And he comes with a four-year contract at a $5 million AAV with a no-trade clause with you, the caveat that he's going to help bring Ilya Sorokin over.
1: You hit the nail right on the head. Semyon Varlamov at four years, two and a half is fine.
0: Or four years, three, four years, three and a half, I'll even go as high as. Four years
1: at times five with a no trade? It's a
0: ridiculous contract, in my opinion. The
1: contract is what kills me on the Varlamov signing, not the goalie.
0: Goalies are so... that, That goaltender position in itself is so volatile that it's always dangerous to give a goaltender a contract like that. But again, it was done with the intention of bringing... I was told it was done with the intention of bringing Ilya Sorokin over. Ilya Sorokin and Simeon Varlamov share the same agent.
1: Now, if Sorokin comes over, and I'm saying if, because you can't, we can't assume that Varlamov and his agent being within the organization now is going to bring Sorokin over here to play. You can't assume that. If you assume that, I have a bridge to sell you in my backyard. You could send the check to a P.O. box on Staten Island. You can't assume he's coming. But if this signing brings him over and he is as good as advertised, then that's fine. Lou washes his hands of this money. I could care less. If and if. The problem is for a fan base like the Islanders that has been so destroyed and distraught by ifs. That's way too big of an if to ask Islander fans to buy into at this point. Right. right, Especially after the success we had last year.
0: Right. And right now, it's still, we're right back. That's why I said, I don't think that while Barry Trotz has come in and made the biggest influence, like people like to say, you know, well, Lamarillo came in and he got Trotz. No, Trotz was handed to him on a platter. All, all, All Scott Malkin had to do was offer Trotz five million bucks right trots wanted to leave wash left washington over a money dispute clearly wanted to stick it to his to, to his former team by staying in the division uh, was handed you know he had his roots here in washington he's got a special needs son that, he's, that he that he's very very passionate about and and adamant about taking care of you probably didn't want to uproot him across the country everything worked out perfectly he he fell into lamarillo's lap right lamarillo post cap has not And I said this before, I have never wavered on my feelings about Lou Lamarillo. Terrific boss, terrific guy to run the top of an organization, not a good GM. And I've stayed consistent with that from day one. And to date, he still has not, for me, done the job yet, right? Leo komarov has got a horrendous contract. Bringing Matt Martin back was great because he... Re- in, re-energized that fourth line with Casey Sezikis and Cal Clutterbuck, who's now coming off a serious back surgery this summer.
1: Um, to be fair, the contract he signed him to in Toronto was ridiculous, though.
0: Right. And he's stuck with that now on the island, even though I think Matt Martin was uh, uh, definitely a definitely uh, a worthwhile acquisition, especially for what they paid to reacquire him. But the Kamarov contract was ridiculous. The Varlamov contract is ridiculous. In my opinion, and then again, this is just my opinions. Um, we'll see what he does next year with Barzal, Pulik, and Taze. I'm sure he'll jerk them around a little bit initially at first because he was jerking Leonard around. He basically let Leonard just, he, you know, I was told he never had any real intention of of bringing Leonard back anyway. It was always Verlomov that was in his head for the last year and a half. Which again,
1: if 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 it Lou is playing the if game, I understand. The not having an intention to bring Leonard back if the Varlamov to Surikin bridge is his end game. Again, I, if. I understand right, it. Right. So I don't do I. like it.
0: But, it's and again, you're rolling the dice. You're not doing right. anything of consequence. That's going to really help the team get over that hump now. And, look, I, I totally have turned myself around a little bit on the Panarin thing. I get it. It sucks that he went to the Rangers. It sucks that he took a million dollars less per year over seven years to do it. But there's really nothing else Lou could have done there to get Panarin to the Islanders. Okay. Um, You know, the only thing I was told with regards to Lou is that he's a really hard nosed negotiator. It's his way or the highway. He really doesn't leave a lot of leverage. You know, it's sort of like when Saturn was in business and you'd go in to buy a Saturn, it was the sticker price. And that was it. There was no negotiating.
1: Um, Well, maybe that's why Saturn's no (laughs) longer in business. Right.
0: (laughs) Exactly. And, so I, 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 you know, I, I, I was told that Lou's a very, very tough negotiator. It's my way or the highway. And he doesn't really, he's not really good at delegating to maybe, you know, younger minds that may have fresher ideas. Um, those are a couple of knocks I heard on him. And, but I don't blame him because there's nothing really else he could have done. He offered Panarin 7 by 12 and a half. What else is, all right, so maybe the bonuses weren't there. Right? I heard Panarin wanted a lot of money up front in year one in bonuses. And Lute not a, Lute always ne- has never been a bonus guy, even with Toronto. He was never big on giving out year one bonuses. So maybe he could have c- came around on that, but there's really not much else you can do but offer a guy seven by 12 and a half, and if he walks from it, you just throw your hands up and say, well, what the hell do you want me to do? You know what I mean?
1: Yeah, I, I can't fault him for not getting Panarin because he did put all the eggs right. in that basket. What I can fault him on is how poorly he comes out looking from this free agency. Right, where's plan B? The Lee negotiations. Where is plan B? Exactly, the Lee negotiations going the way they did and then... And let's touch um, on
0: that too, Shane, right? He was so steadfast the whole time. Five years, five years, five years, five years, which I thought and everybody else thought was a fair term for a guy like Anders Lee, who was a terrific captain and a terrific guy. This isn't about Anders Lee the man or even Anders Lee. It's more about not even about Andres Lee, the man, and it's not about Andres Lee, the current player. It's about Andres Lee, the future player, and the type of game he plays, and the lack of speed that he possesses, that he doesn't possess, rather, the speed that he doesn't possess, and the fact that he's not a creator. And that, to me, is the reason why the Flyers of all teams, who give out contracts like they're Halloween candy, only gave James Van Riemsdyk, who I think is a fair comparable to Andres Lee, five years. The Flyers of all Lee... teams were smart with that.
1: I think Lee plays a heavier game, so his health concerns me more than a guy like JVR.
0: So, you know, Lou was five years, five years, five years, five years. Panarin slips away, and now he realizes that holy, holy shit, I'm screwed here. I have to. Go. I can't
1: lose. I can't lose
0: Panarin and Lee. I now have to give in, and and you know, give Andres Lee the seven years. Now, granted, Andres probably took. He took a very good a he took a team friendly AAV. I think for his statistical comparisons. I do think that. I think that when you look at Kevin Hayes, for instance, making seven point two, compared to Andres Lee making seven, Andres took a f- a very comparable AAV you, to stay with the Islanders, and we do should think, all appreciate that. You think he
1: that. could have gotten eight, eight well, and a half on the market. Here's the
0: thing, too, right? It's been it's been back and forth on who had the leverage in that situation, right? Lou had the leverage up until he lost Panarin, then Lee potentially had leverage, but what leverage did? Lee really have, right? Minnesota was a suitor, but they went with Matt Sucharillo on a long-term deal. Colorado was interested, but was only offering him five years. Um, Nashville was said to be interested, but they went the Matt Duchesne route. So, you know, there wasn't, there was a tweet that came out right before the bell opened that someone was going to offer Anders Lee $9 million. That never even came close to happening. Never came close. To, that was totally false. Um, so really, what options did either of them have? Right. So I guess it was I, in the end, I would say now at this point, probably a fair enough compromise where he said to Lou, listen, you give me the extra two years, I'll lock in for a seven million AAV when guys out there that are worse than me are making more.
1: Right. right? But but I want the extra two years. I he want went the extra for, two years. Right. He went for career stability and security right. over right. upfront money. But it is what it is. The
0: captain's back. He should be back. He was he we needed to bring him back. Now the trick is, with a little bit under $10 million in cap space, where does Luke go to find offense for this team, which they still need, and what does he do? I guess we'll worry about that next year, what he does with Barzal, Pollock, and Taze, who are all restricted free agents. I also
1: think you you have to consider that earlier than next year because not a lot comes off the books next year either. Right, right. So if you sign, let's just say, and we'll get into this, and I'm not saying it's going to happen, and please leave me alone. But let's say they offer sheet Marner and he comes here. Let's just say, and let's just call it 10 to make it an even number. Mm -hmm. We all know it's going to be more than 10 if he comes here. (laughs) We all know he's not going to come here. Mm -hmm. But for argument's sake, now what do you do next year? Because you've just added 10 to the salary cap, regardless of what you take off through trade. And the only thing you're losing is 2.5 from Martin, 3.3 from Grice, and eight hundred and fifty thousand dollars from Kunago. But next year. but three point, but three, point
0: three from Grice, you have to replace him with, the backup with a backup goal goaltender. So that's exactly. not, that's a wash. And well, you're prob- okay. who knows, you're probably in as much of a fan favorite as he is, you probably bring Martin back. I'm assuming on a team friendly deal, but even a team friendly deal is gonna be two million bucks.
1: Exactly. So, so you, you you have to start looking now. It's gonna have to be the you're trade lose, market, right? You're
0: Islanders. gonna lose. You're gonna lose in that scenario that you just said with them signing Marner, and I don't think that's happening. I know, I really don't. Um, you would. They would have to lose probably Nick Letty and Thomas Hickey for nothing.
1: So next year, and again, I know where we still have a whole season to play. But if you're looking at what the Islanders can do for the rest of this offseason and through the season to improve their roster, next year you need to re-sign Matt Barzell, who I'm going to let you handle this. What do you think? I'm you're, speculate. i do not going I don't even know. That's if, fine. If, I agree. It's
0: – I don't know.
1: So <laughs> that, there's that three the people you – there's three people you need to re-sign who are RFA's next year. Yeah, Barzell, Pullick, yeah, and Taves. Yeah, They're yeah. all going to be re-signed. What the money is going to be, we'll have to wait and, and see. Then, as you said, Martin. So that's four contracts that need to come back onto the books, and three of them are going to be raises. Right, and
0: uh, I mean options right now uh, on the free agent market, or uh, it's pretty much dried up. You're looking at guys like you know Ryan Dezingle. I'm not a huge fan of, not as a top six guy anyway. Also, um, that's
1: an incredibly easy re-sign for Columbus, so there's got to be a reason he's a free agent.
0: Right, and you're looking at a guy and in, in the trade market, you're looking at, I don't even know who, the, you know, the trade market, we've said it before, is so volatile, and so names change seemingly every hour, but I'm assuming you're looking at a guy like, maybe you call Calgary and see if you can snag a James Neal if they would eat a little bit of salary, and you get him for like f- at the $4 million mark. You maybe take a flyer on a James Neal type guy. But you know, I, I can't see the trade market being that attractive either. So I, I really don't know where the heck the Islanders are gonna turn for for that offense that they still need. I really yep. don't know where they're gonna turn for it.
1: Quite frankly, there's two major needs the Islanders have right now. Defense is fine, although they're probably going to have to move Letty in whatever move they make to bring something in offensively. But defense is fine. Goaltending, they're set. Regardless of how you feel about it, they don't need to do anything with the goaltending. They have their 1 and their 1A. Yep. What they need top is a six top six forward. A
0: third line center.
1: And a third line center, top six forward wise, they need a goal scorer. They don't need a playmaker. They don't need someone who can set the play up. They need right. someone who you're going to put the puck on their stick and it's going to hit the back of the net. And the third line center, not.
0: at worst, could be you could always move Sezakis up to the third line and you know put Tanner Fritz in there, who did well enough. He did well enough as a fourth liner, I think, where you can pretty much trust him with that in that role.
1: Well, let me ask you this, and I don't want to do this because I would prefer the Islanders to finally go out and make a splash. Mm -hmm. But we know what the trade market is. We know how it works. Mm -hmm. Did Otto Coevula do enough in Bridgeport last year that he has the opportunity to win the third center position in camp?
0: Yes, he has an opportunity to win the third center position in camp. But don't forget, Coevula came out of nowhere last year. He exploded yes. out of nowhere. So who, I mean, who in the hell to
1: say? His first professional right. season, he put up 46 points, 21 goals, 25 assists in 69 games, and all of Football.
0: that came after Thompson switched him to center. So who knows how that's going to translate into the NHL? We've seen plenty of guys, you know, uh, pull a Jeff Tambellini as well, as, as We've life. seen guys pull, you know, uh, you know, come to the NHL from the AHL and and show consistency. We've seen plenty of. Tambellini's and Connickers to kind of put the, to kind of just put the wait and see label on Otto Coevula and how he's going to perform at the NHL level.
1: I, I take, I, I take the phrase from the MLB quadruple a players, right? Too good right. for triple a, not yep. quite good enough yep. for the MLB, but we don't know that it's, he's only no, played one season in we the don't. minors. So I think there is an opportunity here for Coevula to win the three C position which would, of course, save the team some money in the salary game. Sezika stays on the fourth line with Martin and Clutterbuck. You don't touch that. Koivula wins that third center role. And now what you're really looking to fill is that top six goal scorer who, at the current moment for this season, in my opinion, is not not in the organization.
0: Right, I agree.
1: Because... It's not Hosang. Regardless of where you stand on Hosang, Hosang is the playmaker that the team does not need at this point. I think he's a fantastic player. I think he should be in the top six on an NHL team. He's not the goal scorer, so he doesn't answer your immediate need. Is he better than Josh Bailey? Yes. But is he the goal scorer the top six of this team needs at this moment? No. Oliver Wallstrom, not there yet. Kiefer Bellows, not there yet. I agree. So, to fill that, unless you're going to chalk this season up, which we all thought we were doing last year, we just happened to play well and above our head, and the PDO happened to be in the Islanders' favor for one season finally. Unless you're planning on chalking this season up, it's going to have to come from outside the organization to fill the top six goal scoring role. Unless a guy like Bellos or Wallstrom absolutely positively wows at camp and has a breakout season, which is not likely.
0: I agree. What you just said makes perfect sense to me, and that's why I'm so dumbfounded at the fact that some are so comfortable with the status quo at present. And maybe it's because I'm not being fair enough on time. Maybe. Maybe it's I'm not giving Lou the time that he requires. And it does take time to work these deals out. And if if he does, as we're saying, have to go into the trade market to get it, that takes time to do. And there's still plenty of time left before even training camp starts. Forget the regular season. So maybe it's me just not being fair enough and and giving Lou the time to work it out. Um, I don't think he's sitting on his hands, but... I guess the true judgment will come when we return um, and start doing our shows, you know, into camp and leading into the regular season. At that point, if the roster is still status quo, I think it's all guns, all guns out, yes, in my opinion.
1: I, that I agree with. Uh, I do think you, Garth Snow, not a great example. <laughs> but the Boy Chuck and Letty trades were what? Yep. October 2nd on yep. a season that started October 3rd?
0: Yep, right before the season started. He, Yep. So that's what I'm saying. Maybe, maybe it's me being a little hasty. Okay, uh, I'll, I'll I'll admit that. And maybe it's me being a little rush, rushing to judgment a little bit. But you could at least say one thing for me. I've been consistent in my criticism of Lou from the f- day one he was hired. So now, I let hope me he, ask I hope you. I hope he proves me wrong. I let would me love to come you. on this show in October and say I was wrong.
1: Who knows? Maybe uh, Lou Lamarilla will come on this show in October and tell you you were wrong. <laughs> yeah.
0: And I will do that. You know me. I will, I will come right out and say I was wrong. I have no problem doing that.
1: So while we're still on this topic, is there anyone left in the UFA market? Because I refuse to go to the offer sheet market until an actual offer sheet is sent. Is there anyone one. Not left a fake on one the
0: like U- like, the, like the Sebastian Aho one? A real yeah, one. like a
1: right, like not one that was literally just to get Carolina a better deal on right. Sebastian Aho, but. Is there anyone in the UFA market you feel could legitimately help this team at the start of the season if no other moves were made but one signing?
0: In a top six role? No, I don't. Okay. I don't. I am not, again, a huge fan of Ryan Dezingle, and I don't see a top six winger out there at this point in the free agent There's really not. No. I don't see it. I really, really don't see it. I mean, you may have to, like I said, you may have to call a team like Calgary and see if you can sneak a James Neal in at $4 million if they eat some salary. You may have to call a team like Tampa, who's always looking to shed cap, and see if you can steal a Tyler Johnson, for instance, who's been talked about for the last year and a half. Um, if you can get one of those two guys, I, I, I actually like a James Neal slotted next to Barzal. I do. I think he plays with a lot of, he's got that sandpaper grit to his game that I like. Um, I think James Neal would be a terrific ad. I think Tyler Johnson would be a terrific ad because Tyler Johnson can play center or wing. Um, I think either of those guys, I still still am riding the Mike Hoffman train, although I heard that Lou doesn't like him because of his, quote-unquote, locker room issues. Um, I don't know how you would turn down a Mike Hoffman in a good trade for your team just because of that. But, hey, I'm not running a hockey club, so it's not for me to decide. But So I think those three guys, for me, would make sense if Lou can get the right deal for them.
1: So we're in agreement, then, that it's got to be through trade.
0: Uh, yeah, definitely. I think so.
1: Or a ridiculous offer sheet that's not going to happen. That's not going to happen, correct. So, before we move on, I do have to ask, and we do have to at least mention it. Do you think it happens? What happens? And I'm referring to Marner. No, I don't. Okay.
0: I don't, under any circumstances. I have no uh, delusions of grandeur. I I really, really don't. I do think the Islanders thought about it. I do think the Islanders considered it. But I don't think it happens for a number of reasons. I don't think that... <sighs> You know, a lot of the latest scuttlebutt coming out is that Marner wants to do a short three-year, a three-year, a short three-year deal on an offer sheet. He does not want to do seven years. And I don't even give a crap about the picks. I really, do really, really don't. The picks have no consequence to me whatsoever. I would to get a Mitch Marner on this team. I would gladly give the four first-round picks. I don't give a shit about
1: that. Oh, a hundred percent. Um. But to
0: give him, you're not going to go three years at that cost. You're not going to give up four first round picks to sign a guy for three years, because Marner apparently wants to do a short term a short term offer sheet, so it increases his leverage in three years. So he could do this all over again, and potentially at that point, then go back to Toronto. That's really what this is setting up for. If anybody gives Mitch Marner a three year offer sheet, he's only going to be there for three years, and he's going to end up back in Toronto. People forget that like the situation with John Tavares, and I hate to bring that up, but t- Toronto is Mitch Marner's hometown team. <laughs> that's where he's always wanted to be. And so if someone is stupid enough to sign Mitch Marner to a three-year offer sheet, chances are pretty good that that's all they're going to have him for. And then in, in year four, he's back in Toronto anyway. So he just wants to do that to in- increase his own leverage in three years when he can do this all over again. So I think those... Those uh, reasons are why we will not see an offer sheet from Mitch Marner.
1: So let me ask, are there any other RFAs you can potentially see an offer sheet coming from Lou and the Islanders? No.
0: And I was very upset personally when Braden Point said that he will not even entertain an offer sheet. He wants things to work out in Tampa so badly that he will not even entertain talking to anybody else. That really upset me because I think he would be— before Marner, for me, would be the pick for a twelve million dollars offer sheet.
1: Yeah, I like point.
0: But he does not want under any circumstance even entertain any other offers. He wants to strictly work work it out with Tampa. And who wouldn't? You playing in you know Tampa, Florida? You got a terrific head coach in John Cooper. You got the reigning MVP in Nikita Kucherov, Steven Stamkos, um, Andre Vasilevsky, Victor Hedman. And who wouldn't want to play there? I get it, but. So personally, for me, I'm, I'm, I'm upset because that, that to me is the guy that would have been worth seven years at 12, 12 and a half and four first round picks. Boom, done. Easy. I agree. Do it. Not that Marner isn't and not that the Islanders can't. Again, this is where I have to make sure that people don't twist my words around. Not that the Islanders can't use or don't need Mitch Marner. Of course, they, Mitch Marner is a fantastic young player, 22 years old. Um, of course, the Islanders should want him and need him. But, again, I'm only saying if given the choice, with all things being equal, I would pick point over Marner. But all things are not equal, so that's that.
1: All right, so enough of the doom and gloom and the not knowing what's next for the Islanders. But, and let's get into knowing what's next, or at least having a more positive vibe of what's next for the Islanders arena-wise and the latest involving Belmont.
0: Yeah, Belmont's going to happen. You know, ground should be breaking hopefully within the next month is my hope. Uh, a lot of the news coming out has been positive. The environmental uh, survey was was approved and passed, and uh, there was some opposition, obviously, as there is for everything in this world. But um, really, no, no obstacles remain. Let's get the shovels in the ground and let's get this thing built. The artist renderings look beautiful. There's been approval for a full-time LIRR station out to Belmont. Um You know, the only negative stuff that came out today with regards to that was in the actual survey itself. It said that, you know, people were up in arms because it said that, you know, they're not going to permit any tailgating. That tailgating is going to be monitored by security guards and closed circuit TVs and signage is what they called it. Um, They're also looking to, reading over that document, they're also looking to move weeknight games to 7.30 p.m. faceoff instead of 7 p.m., which I think is brilliant, because traffic on the Cross Island Parkway is going to be ridiculous if you're trying to get out to a game at 6 p.m., let's say. Yeah, no, that, a that makes a lot drop. of sense. So that
1: makes a lot of sense for the traffic. That, in, to me, and, and makes a lot area. of sense.
0: And But the tailgating thing, look, it could have been just to appease the opposition. Uh, obviously, in a lot of stadiums and concerts that I've gone to, there's been no tailgating rules, and there's been people tailgating. So I I, I don't... I think it's going to be a very, very hard thing to enforce, so I really wouldn't worry about it too much if I'm a fan. Um, And plus, why why, why are we going to worry about it and get all worked up over something that's four years away anyway? But the news is good. Belmont is going to happen. uh, And until it does, you still have this ridiculous Barclays-Coliseum split. They're doing it again this year, um, which I don't think helps in free agency either. But I agree. You know, they'll still have... I I don't know what is going to become of this situation next year. We'll take one year at a time at this point, but it is a split again this year with one extra game at the Coliseum. It's a 21-20 split, and um, I think it's just something we'll have to deal with until Belmont, and I don't know. Hopefully this doesn't affect them in the free agent market until Belmont. (laughs) Because, again, Belmont's still a good three years away at least. So, By the way, can
1: we just... Can we address some of the Floral Park concerns? Because mm-hmm. uh, apparently there are some concerns about safety and noise issues created by Islanders games, concerts, and other events. What safety issues?
0: Well, let's not forget. Okay, let let let's keep this into perspective for a minute, and let's think about this logically. Okay, if you think about the Nassau Coliseum, which to me at this point is a shithole, they read, but it's it, in the it, middle of nowhere. It needed to be renovated fifteen years ago. They just let it sit there and rot. Yes, it's our home, and it's been our home that we created, and we created so many memories in that home so i'm not I'm not you know crapping on it from that perspective. I get it from a fan's perspective what that building means, but comparative to the rest of the league, it's a shithole. <laughs> it is what it is. The tiny small concourses, the humongous long lines for the bathroom, you know at the end of one, you go to the bathroom you back maybe mid second period um, <laughs> it's just, it's a, it 's just it 's a look it is what it is, right, and all they did was put lipstick on a pig when they when they quote unquote renovated it. all they did was throw aluminum foil around it and you know freshened up the inside, and that was it they really didn 't do anything so and Barclays has its issues, obviously, the ice is ridiculously bad, the building is terribly bad in terms of sight lines for hockey it doesn 't hold noise well. Blah 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 goes on and on. So that that those follies will you you can't sell a free agent on you when the nicest part of your deal is a a practice facility. I mean, come on, it's it's pretty embarrassing actually. But um, if you look at where the Coliseum was, right, there was no there really wasn't much in terms of residential. I mean, across the street there was somewhat. I mean, Belmont, looking at the renderings, and I don't live in Long Island. I hung out there a lot as a kid because my cousin lived in, lived in Long Island, lived actually a mile and a half down the street from the Coliseum. Um, so I spent a lot of weekends in Long Island when I was a, when I was a teen. Did, never lived there, though. So I'm going to preface that. But it seems to me from the renderings that Belmont is in a far more, from what it looks like, again, a, a, you know, a lot more residential than the Coliseum is. From the renderings, and I don't know that as fact, but just looking at the renderings, that's what it looks like to me. And it looks like there's a really a a heavy residential area that's going to sit right behind the parking lots. So, I guess they're talking about, you know, the loud, boisterous, drunk fan that comes out of the game and and starts shit, (laughs) I guess is what they're talking about.
1: All I know is I'm going to make sure every game I go to, as I'm pulling oh, I know, out, I, I blast know. the Let's Go Islanders of horn. Will. I know, of course. Because I'm that guy. But you it can't must be the Staten t- you know, Islander you,
0: you're, you're actually giving Islander fans ammo to like, just tailgate right in your backyard. Oh, I mean, yeah, you're 100%. Just, you're goading these people on to just tailgate right in your freaking backyard. It, it's going to be interesting, to say the least, when that building does open. It's going to be very interesting. And the traffic on game nights? Yeah, it's going to suck. But traffic in Long Island sucks no matter where you go. Look at the Bell Parkway, for crying out loud. It's
1: I used to leave at 4.30 for a 7 o'clock puck right, drop at the Coliseum right. and not make it.
0: I can't even make it at all. I wouldn't even entertain it. I used to leave, when I used to cover games at the Coliseum, the 7 o'clock Saturday games, I would leave my house at 8 a.m., go cover the morning skate, go to my aunt's house a mile and a half down the road for the afternoon, have lunch, take a nap, come back to the building, I'd be out of my house from eight a.m. until one o'clock in the morning until I got home.
1: After I mean, eight. there were there were legitimately times I left my house at four thirty for a seven o'clock start and missed the start.
0: You don't know what the the belt, the Southern State. You don't you don't know how that's going to be at any given moment. It can literally go from wide open to a shit show in thirty seconds. And the cross island, I'm assuming is I haven't traveled the, the cross island much, but I'm assuming it's the same thing. So traffic is traffic. Whether Belmont's there or not, right?
1: I mean, I'm going to try and get to as many games as possible at Belmont, but it's not going to be nearly as easy for me as Barclay was.
0: Really? Oh, it's Barclay's, right. But it's still closer to Staten Island than, than the Coliseum.
1: Yeah, but I can't imagine it's going to be much better.
0: Because instead of taking the belt to the Southern State, you're taking, what, the belt to the CIP? Is that how it works? Is that how it goes?
1: That's my assumption? That's a good question.
0: So Google's for. But you're right. Staten Island to Barclays is a hop, skip, and a jump. You come over the Verrazano bridge, your Barclays is literally ten minutes away.
1: Yeah. Oh my God. Yeah, Barclays is a joke to get to. Yeah. And I understand that for the majority of the fan base, Barclays right. sucks to get to. But for my selfishness, Barclays is incredibly easy to get to.
0: Well, we'll see. I don't think you can get around traffic, no matter whether it's the Coliseum or Belmont or Brooklyn. I don't think you're getting around in this area. I don't think you're getting around traffic, no matter what you do. Unless you would have put the goddamn building right off of like, you know, I don't even know whether you couldn't even put it anywhere. I mean, look, look, at, look you know, I took my son's college roommate was in over the Fourth of July weekend from Philly. So we took him to the Phillies Mets games on. We took him to the Phillies Mets game on Friday night. OK, and we left the ballpark at five after ten. I got home to Middletown, New Jersey at five to one. It's absurd. That's from City Field in Queens to Middletown, New Jersey, which is seven miles west of Sandy Hook, so it's literally right under Staten Island, right across the water. And I left the ballpark at 10:0'5 and I got home at, 10, at like five to one.
1: In, in all honesty, it's we ludicrous. should just be devil fans.
0: It's absolutely freaking ludicrous.
1: Prudential's got to be the easiest to get to for. Oh, I can get
0: to, I, I'm, I'm at the rock in 40 minutes flat.
1: Done. I'd probably be even less than that. Forty minutes flat. But. And our goal, Dana, and my goal is to get to Jersey. So, oh, really cool. Yeah, w- I wish I could just be a damn a uh, Devil fan, but I can't. I'm too invested in the Islanders, and I don't really <laughs> want to have to find a new name for a po- for a podcast. And secondary assist wouldn't make sense as a Devils podcast because no one has any idea who Josh Bailey is except Islander fans. This is true.
0: Well, well, we could just go to two games a year when they're at the Rock. That is true. We could just go to two games just a year and watch the rest on TV.
1: That's it. And if we're going to have to watch it on TV, we do have one of the better broadcasting crews.
0: You know, the Islanders are are, 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 are a team, hopefully, on the upswing. The Devils are a team that had a great off season. They're on the upswing with Jack Hughes and P.K. Subban and Wayne Simmons. Rangers get Artemi Panarin and Jacob Truber and Capo the The Metropolitan Division just continues to get tougher and tougher. It's crazy.
1: Question, by the way. How long, if at all, does it take for Butch to get Varlamov's name right? <laughs> I'm going to say uh, five games at least. Damn, that's generous. I was going to yeah. say 82.
0: I'm being nice to Butch. I like Butch. I love Butch. There's just a 0% times, like
1: chance he gets his name right. Although, at least you don't have to worry about saying learner anymore.
0: That's true. <laughs> I did mess that up quite a bit.
1: All right. Do you have any other Islanders to get into? No, I think we
0: basically covered enough for our first night back. I think that uh, we 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 hit on all the major topics: the the, the need to get goal scoring, where they're going to get it, the free agent market, um, uh, the building. I think that you know now it's just kind of it sucks. Right for a fan who who's sitting back and and looking at the team right now, it sucks kind of having to sit back and just wait, but. Unfortunately, uh, the media, just as much as the fans, are stuck in that kind of holding pattern. We haven't even gone into the dead zone of the NHL yet, which is August. I know. August is the absolute dead zone for hockey. So, like, you sort of, like, get through July, and then once you power through July, it's, like, literally, like, August is just nothing. And then, you know, teams literally just take August off in preparation for camps beginning in the middle of September. So, we haven't even hit that part yet, and it's really quiet. So... I'm surprised Jake Gardner hasn't signed anywhere yet.
1: That's the one that surprises me. Very we surprising. obviously don't need defensive depth right no, now. No,
0: we don't. And he's going to get a lot of money, but
1: he's going to get a lot of money whenever he finally signs somewhere. It's
0: weird that he hasn't signed yet. He's probably the top free agent left on the market unrestricted anyway.
1: Yeah. Oh yeah, for sure. And I'm curious
0: and, and I'm curious. I'm I'm really curious to see how this whole Marner thing shakes out. I'm curious to see if Kyle Dubas can can pull a rabbit out of his hat and and make it happen. I've maintained all along that I think Mitch Marner ends up back in Toronto. That's been my belief all along. I'm not going to waver on that today. But it's going to be interesting to see how Kyle Dubas makes that happen.
1: I mean, it'd be really good for the rest of the league if he just doesn't play this year. (laughs) Yeah.
0: I don't think that's going to happen. But
1: it would be good for the rest of the league.
0: Absolutely. And, you know, I, I, I think that... You know the kid had a terrific season. Uh, he had a terrific season, though, playing with John Tavares and Zach Hyman, two guys who combined to score almost seventy goals. So we'll see what that's what that you know. We'll see how Kyle Dubas can work out, uh, can work that out.
1: I just realized they're still paying Kessel until twenty one twenty two. Yeah,
0: it's crazy,
1: right? Jesus, one point and, year,
0: and, and and he's he's in Arizona now.
1: I know that's interesting. That's going to be interesting to watch. He's not going to put up. They don't have the power play the Penguins had. He he, no. he put up
0: a lot of his points to share
1: on the power play. He's not going to put up nearly the numbers.
0: I think he was almost 50-50 in, in split between power play points and, and even strength points. So he's, the power play in, in the desert is not nearly as good as in Pittsburgh. So
1: Not nearly as friendly. I think from a
0: fantasy perspective, if you're drafting your fantasy team, I'm, I'm staying far away from Phil Kessel.
1: I am in agreement. I'm actually trying to look that up right now.
0: And we will get back to your fan questions once we get back in the flow. I think we're going to probably end up doing one or two more shows um, for the summer. And then kind of, yeah, I think we'll do two more. Well, let's do, we'll, we'll we'll definitively commit to one more show. And if something happens, we'll do a show.
1: I yeah, that I agree with. I, then, I don't think we need to do weekly. While no, we, no, no, we don't need to come on and banter about. We'll do we'll,
0: we'll do what. one more secondary assist podcast in about two weeks, and then we'll sh- kind of shut it down for the summer, pending any big news. In which case, we'll do an emergency show for that, and then we'll come back strong in in the middle of September when training camp opens. That's that's the plan for the secondary assist pod. We're not going away, but it is summertime, and um so that that'll be the plan. One show and one more show in about 2 weeks to close it out and then an emergency show if news warrants it and then we'll be back in the middle of September on a regular schedule once the uh,
1: once training camp starts. So. And ju- just to your point, Kessel had 82 points last year in 82 games and 36 of them were on the power yeah,
0: play. Almost a, almost almost a 50-50 split. I figured yeah. it was close. Yeah, so
1: yeah, he's not I mean, gonna have nearly the same power play in, in Arizona that he yep. did in Pittsburgh, obviously. I mean that's an obvious yep. statement.
0: And just a little bit of uh you know, we'll just touch on before we kinda get out of here, not that we feel not that we feel that we quote unquote owe anybody any insight into our personal lives, but I do like to be somewhat as transparent as I can, and I think that if if any kind of news helps people out there It's worth it. Um, You know, my wife checked herself into a rehab in the middle of February for alcohol and did a 30-day stint down in Florida. Well, this was actually last year, and she's been clean now for almost
1: 18 months now. That's awesome.
0: So, yeah, she's doing really, really well. Um, And then my father-in-law had passed in April, so he was really sick, though, for the six months prior to that. So that's kind of why... Um, I was tied up with personal stuff and a lot of things going on, obviously. and You know, to see my wife battle through that without picking up something that had become such a habit um, and addiction for her was incredible, showed incredible strength. That's why I, I felt a connection to Robin Leonard's story, and that's why I wrote, you know, when the Islanders were negotiating with him or not negotiating with him, whatever the story was, That it sucks, but from Lou's perspective, he has to take that into consideration. That there's not just on-ice performance risk, but there's off-ice risk as well. Because it's not something that you defeat. It's not something that you ever win. It's a day-to-day battle. It really is. Whether you're 18 months clean, 10 years clean, it's a day-to-day battle. Um, That addiction is always there. And you have to be really mindful and strong-willed and strong-minded to keep on top of it. And you have to have good support behind you. Um, I'd like to think that I'm that for her. And obviously, Robin has a lot of tremendous support behind him as well. But it sucks to say, but that's why Lou had to keep that in, in mind when he was negotiating with Leonard. There was a tremendous off-ice risk there as well. And that's why it would have been dangerous to commit to a long-term deal. And it shows you that, you know, even on the outside, Leonard only got a one-year deal in Chicago. So it shows you that other teams are considering that as well. And whether you agree with it or not, it's reality when you're talking talking addiction. It's reality that it is something that is really a day-to-day battle. And it's, you know, they say in rehab, one day at a time is their quote. And it really is true. I've seen it firsthand. So, but again, things are looking much better. We're moving on from my father-in-law and doing well and, uh,
1: That's that. So, I'm really glad that Kelly's doing well.
0: Yeah, she is. She's doing great. And uh, like I said, if anybody ever wants to talk to me more about that, if they have a loved one or if they have a friend that's struggling with that, whether it be alcohol, drugs, any kind of addiction like that, they can hit me up in my DMs and I'll be more than glad to uh, try to do whatever I can to help them. Because there is help out there. The first step is admitting. It's cliche, but it's true. The first step is admitting you have a problem. The second step is you know, getting into a treatment program, and that takes that takes strength in and of itself. But once you commit to that, um, it is something that can be controlled, and it is something that can be you know you can lead a normal life again and a quieter life. And I just never want anybody to think that they don't have any options, because there are plenty out there.
1: And uh, while we're sharing, and I and I think. I and anyone else who may have experience with that or need someone to talk to regarding that, I think appreciates you sharing, Andy, so thank you. And while we're sharing, uh, back in early March, we my family was out to dinner for my uncle's birthday, and we thought my dad was having a heart attack. He had severe chest pains, and we wound up rushing him from... It's I don't mean to laugh, but at this point I feel that I can. Uh but we we rushed him to the hospital and it's the first time I think ever in my life I was getting yelled at to go through the red lights rather f- than for not stopping at them. Um but we we got him to the hospital, they deemed that it wasn't a heart attack, it was a bout of pancreatitis which about 4 days later we found out was from a centimeter tumor in his pancreas uh, and that is what we've been battling and I say we because anyone who has done it knows it's not just the person who is going through it battling it's the whole family Uh, so knock on wood the Friday that just passed was his last chemotherapy treatment and we will know more over the next two to three weeks over the prospect for surgery to ultimately remove the tumor. God bless. So that that is where I have been. So uh, I hope everyone can understand why Andy and I had to call a hiatus for the Secondary Assist podcast. Um, family does come first. Absolutely. Every single time. And, and Shane, been, you and I have
0: been shared through text messages what's been going on and I've been keeping in touch throughout this whole process and like I said I'm very very pleased um, to hear that news and I know my me myself I'm going to keep positive for him because I think that positive thoughts do yield positive results and
1: I appreciate that tremendously And, and I apologize a little behind the scenes view here I'm a terrible texter Oh my so, God, so I appreciate you oh man i'm I'm absolutely terrible, so the I appreciate worst. you continuing to text despite the fact that my response time is not always uh sometimes it's nil up to snuff I hung in there though I hung in there you I, did
0: I, I persisted.
1: <laughs> that's why today uh, today i text you and i'll okay so we originally planned on doing yesterday, but you would scare
0: me i'm gonna to be totally honest you would scare me because there's times when i text you how's that and i wouldn't get a text back and i'd be like fuck
1: well i th- i apologize and there were some weeks that were significantly of course. worse yeah, of course. Uh, than others but uh j- just to peek behind the curtain a little more we were supposed to record this on monday yeah and something came up on Monday and I wasn't able to. So I said to Andy Monday after he texted me and said, Hey, are we recording tonight? Because I forgot to text him first. And I said, uh, can we do Thursday? Thursday would be best. And then today I I actually wound up being able to do tonight on Tuesday. So I said, I texted Andy. I said, Hey, I can do tonight if you can go tonight. And I was like, Hmm. I'll bet you he's not gonna answer just as payback for me not for me being a terrible texter. You know
0: me so well because I considered it. I saw that text five minutes after you texted it. When did I answer <laughs> you? Like three and a half hours later? It might even have been more than that. I did consider it. I did strongly, co- but then I came home and I said, "Nah, I can't do that to him." I said, "I can't do
1: it." To him. it in my head, though, I was like, mm, "I totally deserve this," so I'm just gonna <laughs> laugh it off if it happens. And if it happened, I was gonna tweet out a screenshot of the text. You know, and be me like, so "I guess well. this is what I get for being a crappy texter." You know me so well. But uh, we wound up we wound up getting together and, and recording here Tuesday night. Uh, so and for those of you listening. Like I said,
0: we will get together again in two weeks and close out the season. And we'll do an emergency show if we have to. Otherwise, we will come back strong with things much more settled now. Um, yes. In the middle of September when training camp opens and the secondary pod, assist podcast will be back on a regular schedule. Which is great news for us because I love doing this with you.
1: I I love doing it with you too, Andy. I really hate it not doing it through the rest of the regular season and obviously the playoffs. I'm just hoping that the Blackburn family and the Islanders get good news at the same time.
0: They will. Well, the Blackburn
1: family will. Uh, Islanders, I'm less confident in. (laughs) Absolutely. (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) Oh, man. All right. I think that about does it. Yep. I'm going to do it, Andy, because we haven't done it in so long. I'm going to piss you off because I feel I have to. He is andy graziano Always. i'm shane blackburn this has been the secondary assist podcast and keep eye on twitter at sblackburn26 at andy graz underscore wfan and at secondary pod and you guys will find out when this is coming out where to find it and when our next episode will be thank you guys for listening and until then god please lou do something
0: it's a micros, it's a, mi- a micro microsm.